You're listening to the GKM Church Sermon Podcast. We are in our third week of Awestruck. And what Awestruck is, is we're studying through the book of John, seven miracles, or as he says, seven signs. And what these signs do is these signs point to who Jesus is, what he came to accomplish, and out of that, as we look to Jesus, we figure out our purpose and who we are. And so today we are in John 5, so if you have your Bibles with you, turn to John 5. And if I were to title this message, I would title it, Get Off the Ground. Turn to your neighbor and say, Get Off the Ground. How many here want to achieve their fullest potential in the Lord? Raise their hand. I think all of us can agree. We want to reach our fullest. We want to live a life that is maximized for the glory of God. But when we take a step towards that, oftentimes it feels like we're being held back. It feels like we're being held down. It feels like we can't get going. And the Bible tells us that there's a a battle going on, that the battle is not against flesh and blood, right? So there's this invisible force that's coming against us. There is a real enemy, and his name is Satan, and he's out to destroy the God-given purpose that you have. And so there's this invisible battle going on. So the battle is not against your boss, the battle's not against your cousin. Your, your battle's not against your colleague. Your battle's not against your spouse. Don't look at them right now. Your battle that's happening, there's these invisible forces that we're fighting. But also there's this inward tension. We're born into sinfulness. And there's this sinfulness in us that we, we die to each and every day. There's these temptations. And we have to die to our flesh. And so there's this temptation in us that we're battling each and every day. And so today we come across a man and he's on the ground. And all he wants to do is get off the ground and walk. And so we're going to learn from him today. And I think there's key things we can learn from this interaction with this one man who's on the ground and all he wants to do is get off the ground and Jesus. And so in verse 1 of chapter 5 it says, after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now I want to pause here and just point out, because if you look closely at the scripture, I'm using ESV translation, and it's actually verse 4 is omitted from this translation. Some of your translations might have it footnoted or, or bracketed, because what is actually happening is it's, verse 4 is not in the original manuscript. It's entered by a scribe later on, almost as a commentary. He's explaining why there's a multitude by the pool of Bethesda. And this is what some translations say in verse 4. It says, And an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in 
first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. So that's commentary. But then the story continues in verse 5. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once, can you say at once? At once, the man was healed, he took up his bed, and he walked. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered him, My father is working until now, and I am working. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, I just pray that you'd use the meditations of my heart and the words of my lips to empower your people, to change your people. And I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me right now for this service, for what you want to accomplish here, now, in this place. We welcome you here. We acknowledge your presence. Move in a mighty way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So here in this passage, we're introduced to this man. And he's been paralyzed, he's been lame for, for 38 years, almost four decades. And can you just imagine what it would have been like in that day not being able to walk? I mean, there was no wheelchair technology like we have today. He couldn't wheel around. He was completely dependent on others to carry him from place to place. And the, the, the scripture tells us that he had no one. He had no one to take him. So he had no family members, no relatives, no friends. They have, at this time, given up on him. He had no one. So imagine, there was dirt roads back then. There was stone steps. And so to move down, to try to get to the pool and come back, and, or to even get to the pool day after day, he would have been having to crawl his way, claw his way, do whatever he had to do to get there. And now he lay at this place called the Pool of Bethesda. And what Bethesda means is it means house of mercy. It's interpreted house of mercy, or some have said house of compassion. And here at Bethesda, there is these uh, colonnades, or five roofs, that would give the invalids, the paralyzed, the blind, they would give them rest and shade from the hot sun. So they would, this place was given over to the poor so that they could find shade and they could have a place where they weren't burning in the sun. And so just imagine this scene. 
Hundreds of sick people, diseased people, people who couldn't walk, deaf, blind, and they're sitting there and they're watching. They're fixated on this pool because there's a, a tradition that was taught that when the pool bubbles, it's an angel that's stirring the pool and there's healing in that. And so rush down, get into that water because the first one in is healed. So imagine this scene, hundreds of people just fixated on the water, watching the water. When's it going to bubble? Is today my day? I'm going to rush down. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm gonna, imagine the fighting. Imagine the pushing. Imagine the shovel. Once one little ripple in the water, I, I'm out here. I'm going to, I've got to be first. I want my healing. When I was thinking of this, I was thinking of uh, Black Friday sales or Boxing Day sales. Remember prior to COVID, now we do everything online, now Prime sales, but anyways, Black Friday sales. Remember when people would line up for hours outside of Best Buy, just waiting to get 50% off that smart TV that's 4K? And they'd wait, and they wait, and as soon as they open, they dash. They're fighting the shoving, the dash for that deal. Or actually... Uh, we went to Wonderland um, this summer, and we're early birds. We got there before it opened, and we found that they roped the areas off. You can get in, but they rope them off so you can't get by the rope. And so there's a, a crowd builds, and a crowd forms, and then you start the anticipation. Oh, it's almost 10 o'clock. It's almost open. The anticipation, I got to be first to the Leviathan. I got to be first to Yukon Striker, because you go there first because the lines get so long throughout the day. So everyone wants to rush to those big rides. And so as soon as they move the rope, I found myself, come on, Emma, let's go. We got to get going. We got to be first. Just so we don't have to wait in line. But imagine this, people everywhere, rushing. Imagine the tension at the pool. There's multitudes, hundreds of desperate, hurting, sick people, and every last one of them thinking, if I can get to that pool first. It's a dog-eat-dog environment. It's a culture of chaos, culture of disorder, a culture of stress and anxiety and tension. Everyone is trying to take advantage of the other person, to beat the other person, to do what they need to do to get down to that water. They compete day after day after day. And I think this pool scenario is all around us. It seems like a regular part of our culture and our life today. We are competing to get a job. We're competing at work to get the promotion. We're competing even to get a home. We put a bid in and some puts a higher bid. We're just competing. We're competing on social media, competing to get ahead. And so many relationships today are fractured because they're self-serving. You're only using the other person so you can get ahead. And we find ourselves surrounded by this tension, this manipulation, this competition. We don't want to function this way. Many of us, we don't want to do this, but then we're sucked into that culture, especially in Toronto, the fast pace, the rat race, and we get sucked into achieving and striving and competing. We're pushing our way to the front. And it always seems, though, that something is holding us back. 
That somebody is holding us back. That someone else is always first. Someone else is always ahead of us. And this is his condition at the pool. This is his situation. This is his life. He is helpless. He is sitting there surrounded by others who are sick or even worse than he is. And he has no one to help him. He has no one. His only hope, his only prayer, his only thing that he can find relief is by getting first down to the pool. If this is my day, can I get there? And he's sitting there just shy of four decades waiting, hoping for his miracle. And I believe there's a lesson in this for us today uh, in Jesus' interaction with this man. How we can get off the ground. How we can get out of our situation that is holding us back. That patterns that we've been stuck in that is holding us back from our God-given potential. I believe God wants us to get off the ground this morning. I believe I have a word this morning for you. I think so many of us have tolerated things in our life for far too long. And today I believe God wants to set you free from those things. So I've identified five things. There's five porches, five ingredients, or five things to help you get off the ground. You ready? First of all, you have to identify the false assumptions that you've believed. Identify the false assumptions To assume that just because the ground is wet that it rained is a false assumption. It could have been someone just playing with holes. I I have a sprinkler going in my front because it's been so dry out. And to turn off that sprinkler and walk out and say, oh, it rained? No, that's a false assumption. You can't just assume because the ground is wet that it rained. So in this man's situation, there were false assumptions that he was believing He was holding on to these false ideas, these false beliefs. And he was explaining to Jesus why he couldn't get better, why he couldn't get his miracle. He said, I have no one to put me in the pool. Another steps down before me. So first of all, he's putting his miracle in other people's hands. He's putting his mobility in their control. He's deflecting, he's deferring. In other words, he believed Yeah, I need to be first in order to be healed. I need to get into that water first in order to be able to walk. I need to be faster than everybody around. I need to be quicker. I need to be better. If I do this, then I will get that. But Jesus didn't ask him, are you fast enough? Jesus didn't ask him, who's getting down before you? Jesus didn't ask him, who's stopping you or who's holding you back? Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And the, but the man immediately went to, I can't because. And I believe there's things in your life and there's things in my life that Jesus wants to set us free from, but we have these false assumptions. We say, I can't because. We hold on to these false assumptions, false beliefs about ourselves. We come into agreement with things that are simply not true. If I get a promotion, I'll be happier. I'm not friendly, I'm not approachable because it's just my personality type. 
You know, I did one of those personality tests, and it told me that I'm not approachable, so I'm not going to be approachable. I can't do this because of my past and what's happened to me. If I had more money, I'd be happy. How many have thought that before? Well, I'll to tell you, studies show that money won't gain you happiness. Money won't gain you happiness. But we have these false ideas, false beliefs, false assumption of what's going to truly make us happy. What's going to get us off the ground. But listen to this. False assumptions lead to false identities. Because what we believe is who we become. This man's infirmity became his identity. He wasn't just stuck because of his ailment. He allowed his infirmity to become his identity. Listen, I am too slow. I'm a failure. I can never make it down. I'm not good enough to do this. I have nobody. Those became his identity. And we begin to accept and believe these statements about ourselves, these labels, and we become stuck. We become paralyzed from moving forward, not because of our problem, but because our problem has now become our identity. And what this man thought was going to cure his situation was actually his problem. See, his eyes, where were they? Where was his eyes fixated on? The waters. His eyes were on the pool. Could it be in your life what you thought would cure your problem has now become your problem? The thing that you look to to take the edge off of how you were feeling? The thing that you took to get your mind off of what you were going through? Have those things now become a new problem that Jesus wants you to set you free from? See, what's... That's what's happening with false assumptions. What we believe would help us becomes our hindrance. What we believe would bless us becomes our burden. And the man thought the pool was his solution. If I could only get to the pool, but Jesus knew the pool was his problem. Because as long as he had his eyes fixed on the pool, his eyes weren't fixed on Jesus. And he wasn't able to get up and walk as God intended him to. So imagine the multitudes, all the sick around, and they were all looking. They were all fixated on the waters. If I can only get to the waters. And I, I, I just, I read through this. I couldn't think. And the, these multitudes, hundreds of people, how did they not see Jesus, God in the flesh, right in front of them? How could they not see this miracle taking place? I mean, this man would have gone there day after day after day. They would have known him by name. And then all of a sudden, he gets up and he walks out of there. How come they weren't running towards Jesus? How come they weren't running? I need a miracle too. Can you heal me as well? No, why? Because their eyes were so fixated on the pool. See, and so many are missing their miracle because they are focused on how God worked in the past, how God moved in the past. See, they were taught a tradition that when this was stirred, God was moving and you could get a miracle. So they were looking to their tradition. They were looking towards the past. But sometimes God wants to do something new. And if you're looking to the 
past, you miss what he's doing in the present. And so we need to be aware of what God is doing around us. They miss their miracle because they're fixated on the wrong things. And many have these false assumptions that keep their eyes looking on the wrong things. They're looking for success. They're looking for more money. They're looking for particular feelings. They're looking for recognition. Look what I can achieve. Look what I can do. They're even looking to marriage. There's nothing wrong with marriage, but when you think that will make you complete, you're in trouble. Looking for things around them. When the Bible says, set your mind Set your attention, set your focus, not on things of this earth, but of things above. So God wants you to aim higher. He wants you to look higher. And whatever it is today that is in your heart, in your life, what you're hoping to accomplish out of your life, I believe God wants that to be something bigger than you can even dream or imagine. We can't think of what it is. And for all of us, there are different assumptions that we believed over the years, different lies that we have believed, and I just can't, or I, I don't, or my family has never, or no one I know has made it. And so an exercise later today, or, or sometime even this week, is sit down and write out those false assumptions that you believe, false assumptions that are holding you back. Take time and meditate on that and write them down because what you're gonna do, you're gonna write them down, then you're gonna renounce them in Jesus' name. Gonna, I am not too slow. I am not a failure in Jesus. God has better things for me. God has greater things for me. You renounce those things in Jesus' name. Secondly, we have to be willing to ask hard questions. Getting off the ground involves asking hard questions. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Jesus just shows up on this day. He's not invited into this man's situation. He just shows up. He just walks in. And this man has no clue. It tells us he, he doesn't know who Jesus is. Even after the healing, he doesn't know who Jesus is. So who is this strange guy walking up to me and all of a sudden he asks me, do I want to be healed? That's kind of rude. Like, of course I want to be healed, Jesus. Where do you, why do you think I'm sitting here waiting and looking at the waters? Of course I want to be healed. Who wants to sit, stay sitting here? Perhaps... This man had completely given up hope. Maybe at first, every time the water would move, he would go down as fast as he could. I mean, he would crawl, he would roll, he would do whatever he could. And for the first couple years, he would go down as much as he could. And maybe he even, you know, came in second one time. Oh, I was this close. Oh, maybe he came in fourth one time. But maybe after years and years of doing this, deep disappointment set in, discouragement set in, despair. Could you imagine doing that year after year after year? And the feeling 
that he is condemned to a lifetime of sitting there, not able to walk, not able to go anywhere on his own. Imagine the, the despair. I just get this image of this man being disappointed over and over again. And the Bible tells us unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. And if you're heart sick, if your spirit has been broken, it has the power to hold you back, to keep you down, to keep you stuck on the ground for your whole life. And some, maybe some of you, your body here is fine, but your spirit has been broken. And you're not moving, you're stuck in stagnation. You become complacent because of a broken spirit. I mean, maybe you were, you were passionate about some things. Maybe you started that business and then COVID hit, ruined the whole thing. Why even start again? What's the economy gonna do next? We don't know. So maybe there's been discouragement, despair. Maybe you've stepped out once and you failed and he's like, I'm not, I don't wanna feel that again. Or maybe when you first got saved, you were passionate about the Lord. You were zealous about the Lord. And you were going and you were telling everyone about Jesus. But maybe you didn't see anyone come to Christ. And so now you're quiet. And you've stopped sharing. Out of discouragement, out of despair, out of a broken spirit. See, Jesus does not speak to his ability. He speaks to his desire. He speaks to his desire. Do you even want to go higher? Do you want to get off the ground? Are you willing to try? Are you willing to fight? Are you willing to go? Are you willing? Do you even want to be healed? Do you really want to change? Because there's a cost when we change. There's a cost for following Jesus. There's a cost when we're transformed. There's a cost to get off the ground. There's a cost when you take a step towards greatness. I mean, this was his normal. This was familiar to him. Be placed by the pool, watch the waters, try to get into the waters, get taken home next day, taken to the pool, watch the waters, try to get into the waters. This has become his familiar, his routine, his normal. And so this man is at a crossroad in his life after 38 years of doing the same thing over and over again. Do you really want to change, Jesus is asking. And for this man to be healed, to change means no more handouts. No more sitting there and just receiving handouts. It means going back to work. It means breaking out of the familiar, out of the comfortable. It means thinking differently. It means not going to the same places that you used to go to. It means doing things differently. Do you really want to change? This is a question that we have to face each and every day as believers. When tempted, when our insecurities try to control us, when condemnation lurks, when our infirmities try to define us, do we really want to change or do we want to settle in this? Do we want to sit in this? 
And I think that's part of Jesus' question here. Are you willing to leave what goes along with your dysfunction? Because for all of us, to some degree, we can stay in it for so long that it starts to feel comfortable. We can become so familiar with our sin that we no longer become, be convicted by it. And it starts to feel normal. And it becomes our identity. And Jesus is calling this man to leave all that behind. Leave his daily routine. Leave his comfort. Leave his normal. Leave his familiar. He would have to leave his old life as a victim behind. For, because as long as he was by the pool, as long as he was that old poor man by the pool who couldn't walk and had no one to take him anywhere, he was entitled to remain crusty. He was entitled to remain cynical. He could justify his bitterness. But the moment he was given a healing, the moment he was given a calling, he would have had to face and, and he would be forced to choose. Am I going to be a victim or am I going to be a victor? Am I going to be a victim, or am I going to be a victor? Because you can't be both at the, same time, at the same time. And so for some of you today, you need to ask this tough question. Do I actually want to be healed? Do I actually want to be made whole? Do I actually want to be transformed? Do I actually want to change? This morning, while we're sitting here, we come here. Is this just a religious routine? Another Sunday morning? Or are you really willing to allow God to work in your life? Are you really willing to walk out of here a different person? Are you really willing to allow him to change your heart, change your mind, change your identity? Or is this all just religious activity? See, a lot of us talk of things we, we hope for, but we're not actually making a move to see them happen because we know what the price is. It's gonna cost us. I'm gonna have to try again. I'm gonna have to get off the ground. I'm gonna have to do something different. And it's scary. And that's the third point. Do scary things. Do scary things. Because we're leaving all we know behind. We're leaving our comfort. We're leaving the familiar. And we must step out. And we must be courageous. And we must do scary things. I mean, he had laid there for 38 years. That's a long time. Trying to get to the water. Hoping for healing in the water. And now Jesus comes along and he's not told to move towards the water. Because that was his expectation. Maybe this man was going to take me and place me in the water. But Jesus does not come to conform to his agenda. Jesus calls him out of his agenda into his kingdom. See, he calls us out of our own agendas into his agenda. And his agenda is never the same as our agenda. He want, his agenda was to get to the pool. Christ's agenda, no, get up. Look at me, get up. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. Get up out of your condemnation. I'm changing your status. The enemy is a liar. 
Those false assumptions are lies. What you believe about yourself is a lie. I'm changing your identity. Get up out of your self-condemnation. Get up out of your affirmity. Your identity isn't in your affirmity. Your identity is in me. Get up out of that infirmity. Get up out of your stagnation. I have a purpose. I have a calling. I have given you gifts. I have given you a purpose to walk on, to be a blessing to this world. Get up out of your stagnation. Uh, I believe this is a word for someone. Someone here has been complacent for way too long. Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here, and you've been complacent way too long, and today the Lord would tell you, get up, get up and walk. Get up out of your complacency. He has a destiny for you. He has a purpose for you. COVID did not rob your calling. Your calling comes from him. Walk in your destiny. Walk in the authority that Christ has given you. Walk in your potential. And is it going to be tough? Yeah. Is it going to be hard? Yeah. That's why it's scary. That's the scary thing about all of this. Is it going to work? If Jesus is calling me to stand, is it going to work? And think, are, this man had the faith. Is my legs going to work? He's calling me, get up. Is my legs going to And that's the st- scary thing. But starting is always the hardest part. The first step is always the hardest step. Now, I just imagine this scene, this crippled man. And I just picture his, his legs withered, no muscle. He wasn't walking. He wasn't using his legs for 38 years. He's lying there. And Jesus said, get up. And imagine him just taking his leg and just, and in this moment, I could just see Jesus reaching out his hand. He says, get up. Because who he calls, he enables. And so he reaches his hand and he said, get up. And I, I just, as he puts his hand in Jesus, a surge of power goes through him. And he takes his withered leg and immediately stabilizing muscles are strengthened. Ligaments are attached. Immediately muscles come to life. Immediately something's new. Something's different. This isn't the same. And just imagine those first, him holding Jesus' hand. I was thinking, with, with my kids, when they first started walking, they were shaky, they were wobbly, and I'd hold their, their hands, and I think the first couple steps were probably shaky and wobbly. He's not quite sure, is this going to work, the first step? And then as he starts walking, he realizes, I'm walking, I'm walking. Strength has returned, and as confidence builds in him, he begins to walk, and then he begins to run, and then he begins to jump up and down, because you know why? It says at once he was healed. It wasn't a progressive healing. At once, immediately he was healed. What a sight. And I want to get this, you get to get this. Jesus' calling is always his enabling. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, he who calls you is faithful. The one who calls you out, the one who calls you to step up, the one who calls you to move forward, he is completely dependable. Jesus is always and will always give you the strength you need 
to do what he calls you to do. If he's calling you to stand, he'll give you the strength to stand. If he's calling you to sing, he'll give you the ability to sing. If he's calling you to build, he'll give you the ability to build. If he's calling you to be an entrepreneur, he'll give you the ideas you need to be successful. He, he, who, he who he calls, he enables. And when you're, when you're willing to obey his calling, when you're willing to take that step, his power is always available to perform. When you're willing to obey and take that ladle of water to the master of the feast, you better believe when you get there, it's going to be wine. When you obey and walk 35 kilometers on a word that Jesus said that your son is going to be healed, you better believe when you get there, he will be healed. And when Jesus calls you to stand, you better believe that he'll give you the strength and the power and the supernatural ability to stand and to walk in all God has for you. It was a supernatural miracle. But listen, starting's always the hardest part. The first step is always the hardest part. Taking that first step of faith. Today's that day. Today you can take that first step. Today's the days to rise up and walk. Today's the day to pick up your mat. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait next week. Stop procrastinating. Stop postponing. Because it only gets harder tomorrow. The problem will only get worse tomorrow. Stop lying to yourself. Put your hand in Jesus' hand today. Take that first step of faith today. Proverbs tell us, tells us, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. So don't wait on tomorrow. Act today. Step today. His miracle didn't happen how he thought it was supposed to happen. He thought he was supposed to go down to the pool. His miracle didn't happen out of the tradition he was taught. His miracle came unexpectedly. What he never imagined was that the water came to him. The living water came to him. And no more competing, no more striving, no more trying to get your own miracle. This is an act of grace. The fulfilling of this man's miracle, his dream coming true, was not found in fighting his way to the front. It was found in Jesus. It was found in listening to the voice of Jesus. So getting off the ground, it involves rejecting false assumptions, asking hard questions, doing scary things, and then fourthly, listening to the right voices. Listen to the right voices. Almost seconds after this healing, after this miracle, this man is faced with voices telling him he shouldn't be doing what he's doing. They said, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. The moment this man obeys Jesus, he faces opposition. He faces negativity. And it was the, the Sabbath. And according to their interpretation of Scripture, not to Scripture, these laws that they, they wrote, picking up your mat was a religious violation 
because it was carrying a burden they considered. And they actually had a list of 39 things that you couldn't do on Sabbath. See, Sabbath was created for the restful enjoyment of God. But they had taken Sabbath, God's gift to us, and he turned it into a prison of regulations and restrictions. There's no relaxation in that. And so they, they should be the first to congratulate him Instead of rejoicing at this healing, this miracle, the religious leaders condemned him for carrying his bed. They said this man was violating the Sabbath and that they said you should put this down. You should stop doing what you're doing. You should stop walking. They would rather him be crippled than break the religious law. And there will always be voices in your life that would always rather you Stay on the ground, then get up and move forward. And this is, listen, this is because of their own dysfunction, their own discontentment, their own stagnation, their own dissatisfaction. And I think everybody has someone in their mind that's more dysfunctional than them. Don't say that person out loud. You have someone in your mind that's worse than you are. And by having that person in your mind, that allows you to justify the actions that you shouldn't be doing. At least I don't do that. Or at least I'm not like that person. And then if they begin to bicker about you moving forward, if they begin to complain or or discourage you or speak negativity over you, you know that you were that person in their mind. Because you're taking a step towards greatness. Because you're taking a step towards wholeness. Because you're taking a step towards God. They feel bad and convicted. Because deep down inside, they know they've settled. They have come to a place of settling for God's second best. And when you pursue God's best for your life, they're like, no, wait, get back here, get back here. Because they don't like that feeling. And so they try to hold you back from moving forward, hold you back, that you don't grow any longer. And this man had to choose, whose voice am I going to listen to? You have to choose this morning, whose voice are you going to listen to? The voices that are trying to hold us back or the voice that is calling us forward, the voice that is calling us up, the voice that is calling us off the ground? Proverbs 13 20 says, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. There may be some people in your life that you will not be able to get off the ground until you choose to remove yourself from doing life with them. I know many of them, how am I supposed to reach them? Well, right now, if you're in the same dysfunction as them, you can't reach them. You're falling into the same traps as them. They're influencing you. They're swaying you. You're not strong enough. And there may be a season where you need to walk away from that relationship until you seek wholeness and get healthy and get strong enough. But maybe right now you can't. And I pray there comes a day where you can, where you're strong enough, where you can influence them, where you can call them up. But listen, It's always easier to pull someone down than pull someone up. 
I want you to watch this. Paul, can you give me a hand for a second? Come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. It's always easier. Now, I want, I'm going to try to pull you up. I can't pull him up. Now, I, I'm, I've been working out, so you've got to really try, okay? Are you trying? All right, try to pull me down. See, it's always, thanks, Paul. It's always easier to pull someone down than pull someone up. And there was a, a time in my life when I first came to Christ, I had all kinds of bad habits. I was a smoker, drinker, did drugs, and, and I made a decision to follow Christ, but I had the same group of friends. And every time I went out with them, they, they would be smoking and they, they'd be doing things. And they're like, come on, Ben. They'd egg me on. And we've always done this together, Ben. Come on, this is who we are. We're brothers. Come on. And, and then, you know, and I didn't want to, but I'd cave. I wasn't strong enough. I was a new believer. I'd cave and I'd do the things that they would do. And then it got to a point in my life I had to make a decision. I had to make a choice. Am I going to listen to the voices that are holding me back, that are holding me down, that are holding me back from my calling, or I'm going to listen to the voice that's calling me out of that, who's calling me up. And so I had to make a decision. And it costs. It, it, it's hard. It's a hard decision. And so what I had to do is I had to uh, move. I completely moved because they would call me and it would be so easy. Even when I said, okay, I'm not going to go out with them, I got bored. After a month, I'm like, I got to do something. They'd call me, I'd go out. So I said, you know what? I got to completely remove myself from this situation. Uh, my brother was living in Texas, so I moved for three months down to Texas. I had the privilege to do that. And while I was in Texas, I quit smoking. I was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. I quit smoking. I quit drinking. I quit doing drugs. Was it hard? Yes, it was hard. Was there moments I wanted to go buy a pack of cigarettes at the corner store? Yes, I did. But you fought through that, and I immersed myself in the Word of God. I immersed myself in prayer. And three months later, I came back a changed person. I came back a changed person. And I kept in touch with those friends. I even went out with them. And I, I warned them, though, ahead of time. I, guys, I'm different now. I don't do those things. That, I don't find my identity in that. I'm, I'm someone new now. And so I'd go out with them, and I was strong enough. And I was able to speak life into them. I was able to be the voice calling them up. But you know what? Eventually they stopped calling me. Because I, I didn't want to do what they did. I didn't want to go where they wanted to go. And I had different values now. And I had a new identity now. And I was always there to, to encourage them, to be there for them. But eventually they just stopped calling me. Because I wasn't like them. There's going to be moments in your life where you're going to have to decide. And this is the cost of following Jesus, following your calling, following your destiny, following all that God has for you. You might have to let go of unhealthy relationships. If you're getting off the ground, it means you listen to the right voices. Are you going to listen to the voice of Jesus who is calling you up? Or are you going to listen to the voices around you that are keeping you down? And fifthly, lastly, Make different choices. Jesus found this man later in the crowd, 
And I love it. Jesus comes to him and says, see, you are well. See, instead of like the religious leaders, they're, they're condemning him. Jesus is celebrating with him. You are well. I celebrate with you. You are well. And then he goes on to say, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Don't return to your old life. Don't return to the old habits. Don't return to those things that you used to do. And this is where we get to make this challenging but true statement that not all suffering is a result of your decisions. That's a very important distinction that we need to make. Not all human suffering is a result of your bad decisions, but a result of a fallen and broken world. But on the flip side of it, I need to tell you, some of it is. Some of your suffering is a result of sinful choices you've made. And it would seem that this man, some amount of his sinful choices led him to lying there at the pool. And there are people in hard places, there are people on the ground, there are people in bondage, there are people with addictions, and it's because of the choices that they've made. And Jesus, who called this man off the ground, is saying, if you go back to the old ways, what do you think is gonna happen? What do you expect is gonna happen? You're gonna end up in the same place you can't do the same things and expect different results. That's insanity. Don't go back to the same habits. Don't go back to the same places. Don't do the same things you used to do. It will only take you back to the pool or even worse. See, the point is, what you do with your liberty can put you back into captivity because Jesus has set us free. But what you do with that freedom can either, you can either continue walking in freedom or you can be led right back to cap captivity. Paul tells us, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to, to sin still live in it? Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. We do not abuse the grace given to us. We do not abuse our second chances. We walk in the fullness of our healing. We walk in the fullness of what Christ has for us. Get off the ground. Get off the ground. There's a lot involved here to get off the ground. And I believe God wants you to walk in your your fullest potential that he has for you. So we need to identify false assumptions. We need to ask hard questions. We need to do scary things. We need to listen to the right voices and we need to make different choices. That's what it requires to get off the ground. Now this whole miracle is a setup. It's an illustration. It's a sign as John calls it. And it was meant to teach heavenly reality. And uh, did you notice that these past three weeks, these past three miracles, were not given the names of the individuals? It's just a couple at a wedding. It's an official and his son. 
It's a man by a pool. We're not given the names of these individuals because it's not about these individuals. These stories are about Jesus. The point is Jesus, who he's revealing himself to be. And it all comes down to verse 17 when it says, Jesus answered them. And he says, my father is working until now and I am working. He says, my father. There's a distinction because what they would say, what's normal to say, is our father. But he said, my father. And right away, the Jewish leaders would know what he was claiming. He was claiming that he was equal with the father. He was claiming that he is God. He is claiming that he is the son of God. And that's why John wrote this gospel, to show that he is the son of God. And when Jesus heals this man, he intentionally does it on the Sabbath. And if you go through the entire Gospels, you actually realize that he heals seven times on the Sabbath. Seven, another seven. Because he, he's saying, you come to me for rest. You come to me for fulfillment. I am working now. Because there was a, a belief that only God could work on the Sabbath. Because he created the Sabbath. So for Jesus to perform miracles on the Sabbath, he was going, I am God. I am working on the Sabbath because I am God. Jesus is the Son of God. And it, you, really this is a setup for the rest of chapter 5. And go home and read the rest of chapter 5. And it, he says, truly, truly, I say to you. Three times he says that. He's, he's trying to say something important. He's trying to get our attention. This is important. Listen to this. And what he is saying is he is the son of God. And it builds up to verse 39 and 40. It says, he's talking to the religious leaders. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. See, if you want true life, if you want abundant life, if you want eternal life, it is in Jesus. It is only in Jesus. Take your eyes off the things of this earth. Get your eyes off of the pool. Get your eyes off of your career. Get your eyes off of money. Get your eyes off of relationship to, to make you feel satisfied and content. Get your eyes on Jesus. He is the only way. The only way. And I love this. He makes that possible. He gives us life and he makes life abundant for us because he is lifted off the ground. He was willing to be lifted off the ground. On that cross, he was lifted off the ground to die for your sins. And he wasn't just lifted off the ground, but then he was placed in the ground. And he was placed in the ground only to come out of that ground three days later. And he came out of that ground. And you know what he did? He ascended off of the ground to go to heaven so that you can come off of the ground. So that you can live eternally. Thanks for listening to the GKM Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and resources to help you grow in your faith, head to gkm.church grow.